So today we are going to start a brand new chapter. We are going to have uh, this wonderful chapter called Sankhya Yoga. Prabhupada has titled chapter six as Sankhya Yoga. Otherwise, uh, it is also called as Dhyana Yoga. So most uh, other authors they have titled this particular chapter as Dhyana Yoga. So content is the same, but very interestingly, this chapter is now being discussed by Krishna, and uh, very appropriate also because if you see in the previous chapter, Krishna has explained very beautifully about how karma action in Krishna consciousness. You have to perform karma, but with bhakti, with jnana. But at the end of chapter 5, so in the verse number 27 and 28, Krishna actually, he mentioned about, or rather he gave a hint towards Ashtanga Yoga. So he has explained about Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga in the previous chapters. And in 27 and 28, Krishna said, Sparshan Kritva Bahir Bhayams Chakshush Chaivantare Broho Pranapano Samokritva Nasabhyantara Charinam Yetendriya Mano Buddhir Munir Moksha Parayanaha Vigatecha Bayakrodo Yasada Mukta Evasaha. So Krishna hinted towards Ashtanga Yoga in these two shlokas, 27 and 28. And in the 29th verse, that is the last verse of chapter 5, Krishna gave a hint towards Bhakti Yoga. Bhukta Ram Yajnatapasam Sarva Loka Maheshwaram Suhrudam Sarva Bhutanam Nyatvamam Shantim Vichyati. So, here, because he has hinted towards Ashtanga Yoga, Krishna now wants to elaborate what uh, he has explained or what he mentioned about in the verse number 27 and 28. So, chapter 6 will actually elaborate Ashtanga Yoga very nicely and a very, very powerful process. It's a very powerful yoga. So, there are so many things that Krishna wants to explain in this particular chapter. So, in this chapter, which is called Sankhya Yoga, Sankhya, Sankhya means analytical study of the body and the mind and our existence. So, very nicely, this is elaborated again in Srimad Bhagavatam, third canto, where there is a discussion between uh, Kapila Muni. Kapila Muni is again the incarnation of the Lord, Lord Kapila and Mother Devavuti, his own mother. So he is explaining, Lord Kapila is explaining Sankhya Yoga to his own mother. Very elaborately it is discussed there. So here in brief, Krishna has explained about Sankhya Yoga, how this Ashtanga Yoga has actually done. So what is this Ashtanga Yoga? What is this chapter all about? So if you want to understand, in, uh, to get an overview of this chapter, the, there are about 47 shlokas in this particular chapter. It's a big uh, chapter. And since it is chapter 6, chapter 6 is going to be the last chapter of the first 6 chapter set where it is going to completely finish off explaining about all the different types of yoga like karma, jnana and this ashtanga yoga. The next chapter that is 7th onwards, 7th to 12th, there will be a discussion on bhakti yoga exclusively. And then the last chapters, 6 chapters will be discussing about the nature, prakriti and the three modes and many other things like that. Right. So now in this chapter, there are 47 shlokas and in this 47 shlokas, the first 9 shlokas Krishna is going to explain about the stages in Ashtanga Yoga or the stages of uh, the lower stage of Ashtanga Yoga and the highest stage of Ashtanga Yoga. The first nine. Let me briefly discuss uh, about these things in the first nine shlokas. From 10 to 32, verse number 10 to 32, there will be a very nice discussion about how through Ashtanga Yoga we can understand the we can realize God in Brahman aspect in Paramatma 
aspect and also the bhagwan aspect so all these things will be explained in uh, from 10 to 32 and from 33 to 37 there will be a discussion on how this mind is the most uh, difficult thing to control and it's a greatest obstacle in the path of yoga so the challenging mind is very difficult to control this will be explained because without the control of mind there is no question of ashtanga yoga and then there is another set of verses which will start from 38 to 45 which will describe what will happen to a yogi who is unable to control his mind so if he fails to control the mind then what will happen to what is the destiny of such a yogi what will he achieve if he fails in his process and then finally 47 and 40 uh, 46 47 the last verses will explain about how bhakti yoga is the topmost how becoming a devotee of krishna is the topmost and a yogi the topmost yogi is one who constantly remembers and chants the glories of krishna so this is the overview of uh, the chapter 6 so now let's understand verse by verse with this brief description with this brief overview we will go uh, deeper into each verse om agnana dimirandasya gnanan janashila gaya yakshurun pulitam mena tasmay shri guruve let's begin with uh, chapter 6 verse number 1 so makumar please repeat the shloka shri bhagavan uvacha चाक्रिय Chakriya. Oh, it looks like there is some audio problem. So the translation is: the blessed Lord said, "One who is unattached to the fruits of his work and who works as he is obligated is in the renounced order of life, and he is the true mystic, not he who lights no fire and performs no work." So. very very important shloka so very first shloka krishna is saying here that anashrita karma phalam anashritaha karma phalam karma phalam means we know that it is the result of our actions karma phalam but krishna is saying anashrita karma phalam one who is unattached to the fruits of his work so there is a lot of work we do but one who is not attached to the fruits of his work the result of his work then such a person he is not obligated he is actually he is completely in the renounced order of life such a person is a sanyasi so let's understand one by one so very interesting shloka what happens is most of the time there are people many people they work because they have a plan they have a bigger plan so whenever they start a work the very first thing that is there in the mind is okay this is what i'm going to achieve they have goals they have uh, aspirations for big big results right they aspire for all these things now is it bad to not uh, to have goals no we all have to have goals no doubt but what happens is there are so many people when they achieve success and they are interviewed they say that oh yes i am successful because you know from my childhood i have been constantly meditating i have been thinking about this that i have to hold a world cup in my hands you know this was my dream and i have been imagining i have been visualizing this and today see i have got this so what happens is to set goals is good but when you become very obsessed with the result all the time then it hampers our internal growth 
see when somebody is so constantly focusing on the result of the activities that he is doing he is striving so hard he is putting in so much of effort and all that effort and everything is because he has a certain plan in the future so if you are constantly thinking about that phala karma phala then what happens is it will not allow you to explore your inner world because you're constantly thinking about the result and why many people do not take up spirituality is because they are so attached to the plans the uh, results of the effort that they are putting in because they are always seeking out for that result so when they are so absorbed in such an activity then it's very difficult for them to focus inwards and this is one of the major reason why people don't take up spirituality so seriously because they are already very serious with their own efforts and the results they are seeking for they are extremely serious about it many many materialistic people you see they are working day in and out why because they are extremely serious about achieving the result but what krishna is saying here you have to anashritah karma phalam you cannot become attached to the results of your action so this is a uh, inner game you know it's a game of consciousness i always tell you right it is where you can check yourself what is happening with you now in krishna in 5.6 in chapter 5 verse number 6 he explained about yoga and he also explained about sanyasa what did he say there in the 6th verse actually in the 6th verse of chapter 5 krishna was saying that sanyasa and yoga are two distinct processes right he said sanyasastu mahabaho dukkham aptum mayogatah yogayukto munirbrahma nachirenaadi gacchati so krishna said that actually unless one is engaged in devotional service of the lord mere renunciation of activities cannot make one happy so renunciation alone will not make you happy you should also be doing devotional service yoga some sort of yoga but now krishna is saying actually this karma this yoga and sanyasa are actually integrated they are actually not distinct processes in fact sanyasa itself karma phala karma phala anashrita karma phala means what sanyasa you are doing tyaga of that that itself can become a yoga now what has happened in the previous chapters like the third chapter the fourth chapter the fifth chapter krishna has explained all this karma process and gnana process all this is referring to bahiranga sadhana see we are all supposed to do sadhana sadhana means what uh, the kriya the process of doing work for our perfection so sadhana helps us in our perfection sadhana means doing kriya so krishna in the previous chapter has explained about all the external processes the external sadhana bahiranga sadhana but in this chapter chapter 6 he is going to explain about the antaranga sadhana now karma doing karma doing yagna offering food every day doing sankirtan and many other things that we do is actually what is happening it's all yagna different types of yagna which is external but here krishna is going to explain about antaranga sadhana that something a yogi is supposed to do internally now what is that internal activity he is supposed to do this is what you have to internally renounce the karma phala very very important internally you have to practice this ashtanga yoga process so he is telling that this is how you need to follow and who is the yukta yukta means one who actually has this sanyasa and yoga process integrated one who follows this integrated process then such a person is a yukta and he is the one who becomes the adhikari for dhyana because ashtanga yoga means what there are eight stages yam niyam asan pranayam pratyahar dharana dhyana samadhi dhyana is the seventh stage so if you have to do dhyana on the parmatma 
through the process of ashtanga yoga then you have to become yukta yukta means you should have practice nicely how to execute sanyasa through yoga and how is this possible we will elaborate that this is all going to come this elaboration will come in the next verses but we should understand krishna is broadly speaking here that how he is telling us both are important yoga and sanyasa are both important yoga means attachment yoga means connection right attachment to the parmatma and sanyasa means what detachment sanyasa means detach detachment and yoga means attachment both are required detachment from material activities attachment to the spiritual activities both are required so then you can become an adhikari for dhyana only then when you have complete understanding of both renunciation and sanyasa you can do dhyana on the parmatma so important it is without that it is not possible now many people think especially the followers of the sankhya yoga there are a lot of uh, people who follow seriously this uh, sankhya yoga this dhyana yoga for them yoga means completely giving up activities no kriya what is krishna saying here na niragnir na chakriya it doesn't mean that one has to give up all the activities but many sankhya philosophers they misunderstand they think that oh krishna is telling that you have to completely give up activities no krishna is not saying that you have to give up activities krishna is saying in fact you are supposed to do activities you have to perform your kriya you cannot become a sanyasi without performing any kriya actually sanyasi means he should perform kriyas sanyasi is also supposed to perform kriya now how is it possible sanyasi is not supposed to light agni agni no niragnir many sanyasi sanyasi is not supposed to deal with fire sanyasi only grahasthas are supposed to deal with fire sanyasi means no fire they he should not deal with fire he should not cook his food but here krishna is saying no what is that it means that you have to sanyasi is supposed to do his kriya his activity means preaching he has to do a lot of kriya he has to not just think about himself he has to think about others also but there are many so called uh, sankhya philosophers who think that i have to give up everything i have to perform no action and they only think about themselves my perfection my perfection i have to become merged in the brahman so this is the selfish nature of a yogi of the sankhya yogis a bhakti yogi will not think like this bhakti yogi will always perform some kriya he is engaged in activities now many sankhya philosophers they say that avahagni avani agni means you know they do not light any agni at all especially agnihotras agnihotras supposed to be performed by the devotees they give up all the agnihotra yagnas all the yagnas which are supposed which are dealing with fire they give up but krishna is saying you should not what is krishna saying here he is saying that that he is the true mystic not he who lights no fire and performs no work who is a true mystic one who is completely unattached to the fruits of his work he does work as an obligation simple i have to do my duty see chaitanya mahaprabhu is the first class example for a sanyasi chaitanya mahaprabhu is the lord himself and he has enacted very beautifully as sanyasi he has shown us the path of what a great sanyasi should do and prabhupada is explaining in this particular purport he saying how chaitanya mahaprabhu in one of the shikshashtakam chaitanya mahaprabhu who is the lord himself he has given only eight verses in writing only eight verses bhagavad gita 700 shlokas krishna has given bhagavatam complete bhagavad gita but chaitanya mahaprabhu he has given only eight shlokas in one of the shlokas chaitanya mahaprabhu is very nicely talking about uh, what is the quality of a sanyasi what is that 
it is said na dhanam na janam na sundarim na kavitam va jagadish kamahe mama janmani janmaneshware bhavatad bhakti rahitu ki tvai so chaitanya mahaprabhu is saying na dhanam i don't want any wealth na janam i don't want a birth in aristocratic family na sundarim i don't want any beautiful women association of beautiful women na kavita ma jagadish kamaye i don't want fame from all these worldly people i don't want to be glorified by all these people i don't want that also what i want is mama janmani janmaneshwari life after life bhavatat bhakti rahitu ki tvai i want to perform wonderful loving devotional service to you my lord this is the nature of a sanyasi a true mystic a true sanyasi is one who actually is not attached to janam dhanam sundarim nor kavitam nor his glorification he is not attached to any of these things this is the quality of a sanyasi right now does it mean that this bhagavad gita shloka is very particular only about those who are doing sankhya yoga who can renounce everything no actually we should understand that these verses of the bhagavad gita are not only for the sanyasis all these shlokas are for all the people whether you are a brahmachari grahastha or you are a vanaprastha or a sanyasi doesn't matter we all are grahastha most of us are grahastha some of you are brahmacharis and some of you are in the vanaprastha state but most of us are either brahmachari or we are in grahastha state so we have to become a grahastha brahmachari grahastha sanyasi we have to learn how to renounce things never get attached to the karma phala so this is what krishna has explained briefly now he is starting to explain more in detail that what is this ashtanga yoga process so let's go to the next words now so hina mata ji you can unmute yourself and we can chant this next verse that is verse number 2 of chapter 6 संकल्पो नहीं असन्यस्त संकल्पो योगी भवति योगी योगी नहीं असन्यस्त संकल्पो नहीं असन्यस्त संकल्पो योगी भवति योगी भवति वंडरफुल प्लीज रीड द ट्रांसलेशन बाय व्हाट इज कॉल्ड रिनंसिएशन इज द सेम एज योग और लिंकिंग वन सेल्फ विथ द सुप्रीम फॉर नो वन कैन बिकम अ योगी unless he renounces the desire for sense gratification hari krishna wonderful thank you so much hari krishna so <clears throat> krishna is saying here that how <clears throat> renunciation is same as yoga that means anything that you give up when you do the sanyasa when you give up certain thing that itself can become a yoga so giving up itself is a yoga so now giving up is not so easy <laughs> we are all wanting many things we don't want to give up anything right many times you just see such people's house so oh, many old things they'll just keep them stored house will be filled with so many junk things because attachment is that we don't want to give up anything even if something is broken or anything you know we just want to keep it we are so attached to things even broken things and we keep them at home 
things will be filled at home. Why? Because renunciation is not so easy. We don't think that, okay, this is a little bit broken. I can just give it to somebody. They can repair and use it. No. We don't want to give. Somebody is needy, but we don't want to give to them also. We want to keep everything for ourselves. So, renunciation is not so easy. But see, just by renouncing all these things, which are, forget about things which you like, which you need. Even if you just, people just if they renounce things which they don't need, that itself will be a greatest step towards yoga. You see, something you don't need, but still you keep it with yourself. But instead, if you can learn how to give up things which you don't need, that itself is a great step towards yoga. That itself is an amazing thing. It's a very, very powerful thing. So, now let's see, understand what is this Krishna saying here. Very important. See, anytime when we prepare a particular dish, any recipe that you are working with, you want to cook, there are so many ingredients involved, correct? Without one ingredient, the taste will not be appropriate. So for preparing anything, you need all the different types of ingredients. So if you want to do Dhyana, this Ashtanga Yoga, Ashtanga Yoga ultimately means you have to reach to the stage of Dhyana and Samadhi. Now, if you want to achieve that final product, you know, Dhyana, then there are ingredients. What are the ingredients? Sanyasa and Yoga, renunciation. And yoga means attachment, attachment towards material, uh, spiritual activities. See, these are the two ingredients. Krishna is saying here, sannyasa and yoga are the ingredients for a recipe called dhyana. You can nicely have the final product of dhyana only if there is sannyasa and yoga. Extremely important. Without this, the recipe of dhyana will get spoiled. Now, in shastras, many times, the sannyasa and yoga are interchangeably used. Many times, sannyasa means it means yoga, and sometimes yoga means sannyasa. Many times, because it's very contextual in uh, in our shastras. When we read shastras. We have to see the context, which context Krishna is speaking, the Lord is speaking or the devotees are speaking. The context is very important. Now, to give you an example. Now, Jnana and Bhakti, many times in Bhagavad Gita itself, when Krishna is referring to Jnana, it is actually referring to Bhakti. And sometimes Krishna is also talking about Bhakti, where it is also Referring to Jnana. So both Jnana and Bhakti are important. A Jnani Yogi should not think that, oh, only by Jnana I will attain liberation. You know, there are many people think like that. Oh, if you want to get liberated, then Jnana, knowledge is the only process. There is no other process. There are many people who are very deeply studying the Vedic scriptures. They in and now they are talking about philosophy. So jnana is the most important for them. They think that liberation will be achieved only through jnana. And there is another set of people where they think that bhakti is the only process to which they can achieve liberation. Without bhakti, there is no liberation. Actually, it is true. Now, jnana can also give you liberation, but what type of liberation? It is Sahyujya Mukti. Mostly it is a Mukti, a, that Mukti which by which you will merge in the Brahman effulgence. You will feel that, ah, I am also Brahman. So that is one type of Mukti. But Bhakti means, what is Bhakti? Many people say, oh, I have Bhakti. Hai. Krishna ke prasi ko bhot Bhakti. Hai. Bhakti means what? Bhakti means Bhadvaya. Bhadvaya means in bhakti, there are two very important aspects. What are the two important aspects of bhakti? One is sneha and another is jnana. So bhakti means sneha plus jnana is bhakti. So if anybody is thinking that bhakti means only sneha, it is incomplete understanding. Anytime when Krishna talks about Bhakti or Prabhupada talks about Bhakti Yoga, we should know that Bhakti means it is Sneha plus Jnana. 
bhakti cannot be without jnana so many times when people falsely follow they show a lot of bhakti without proper understanding of the shastras then it is sentimentalism prabhupada also very nicely says prabhupada says that that philosophy without religion is mental speculation and religion without philosophy is simply some sort of sentimentalism so that is why we need to balance we have to have bhakti but bhakti should be always bhadvaya it should have sneha and it should have gnana then it is bhakti if we have only sneha towards krishna it will not sustain for long time if only sneha many people they come to bhakti they uh, temple and uh, for some time they like but because there is no gnana they will fall you know there was one person coming to uh, the temple regularly but once somebody uh, took him to the church and there uh, somebody uh, uh, in the church told him that how oh all these uh, krishna and everything is bogus and the devatas uh, what is this how can god have uh, you know uh, the face of an elephant he has a trunk like an elephant like ganesha they were referring to so like this they told many things about wrong things about our uh, uh, philosophy and other things and he got convinced about it oh yes what he said is right so they speak like that because there is no proper foundation then that bhakti is gone so many many times these days uh, people are uh, trying to follow and understand philosophy through the medium of these tv serials yesterday i sent one video also to all of you you know so much of crap in the name of radha and krishna in the name of uh, shiva parvati in the name of uh, so many other things great personalities they are making fun out of it they are actually making things very cheap so much of uh, deviation from the shastras and a very misrepresentation of our uh, uh, supreme lord or the devatas so we should not accept it we should not encourage such people we should not watch such tv serials and uh, gain knowledge many times including mahabharata also when we read mahabharata actual mahabharata and when we see what is uh, shown in the tv serials uh, there is so much of difference that's why if we have to understand the lord we have to hear it from proper sources we have to do shravanam from the right persons the devotees otherwise it is very difficult we may get misdeviated we can get deviated you know there are people many times they come uh, to us also and say no no in that tv serial they have shown like that is it true first of all why are you even watching that tv serial and then you are saying and thinking that whether it is true or false don't even go there if you want to know the truth then you should come to the shastras so just see so bhakti means bhadvaya sneha should be there sneha for the lord and then gnana about the lord then that is complete then you will be very strong now see in the case of arjuna arjuna he is having bhakti why because he is first of all having sneha he already had sneha for krishna because he is his dear friend but now gnana is also coming in now because there is sneha plus gnana he is having his dridanishchaya is there his bhakti is extremely strong but earlier he had only sneha he had that attachment toward krishna but proper understanding was not there proper gnana was not there that's why that confusion was there whether to fight or not fight but now because gnana is there that sneha and gnana is resulting in very strong bhakti and then arjuna will fight just see so what will happen to us now we have some sneha towards krishna but through bhagavad gita we are also adding gnana so then our bhakti will result in amazing things it will result in so much of joy that ananda will flow like anything that bliss will flow like anything and krishna appreciates such bhakti he doesn't appreciate sentimentalism krishna is not uh, uh, favoring these kind of things 
there are so many sadhu babas these days in the name of uh, sadhu babas you know how these uh, swindlers they come and they cheat people we have seen this uh, the movie called oh my god also you know you must have seen how many swindlers in the name of bhakti they are cheating people they give uh, some sort of uh, laptops and mobile phones and some little bit of gold and all these things and they cheat people claiming themselves to be great people so such people are called sahajiyas sentimental people are called sahajiyas they they act like they are great devotees but they are not so many things are there we will discuss about sahajiyas even uh, later on in some of the sessions because it's a very great topic very grave topic very very serious topic it is so after chaitanya mahaprabhu left this planet and uh, bhakti vinod thakur and many other devotees they struggled so much to bring the authentic gaudiya vaishnavism because after chaitanya mahaprabhu there were so many sahajiyas there are 13 categories of sahajiyas you know different types of people aula baula many you know such categories are there so these people cheated people in the name of uh, bhakti the whole process of bhakti was diluted what pure bhakti was given by chaitanya mahaprabhu was diluted then bhakti vinod thakur and great personalities like him they reestablished bhakti you know bhakti vinod thakur son was bhakti siddhant saraswati thakur who is the spiritual master of prabhupad so even bhakti siddhant saraswati thakur he fought so much and he established the 64 gaudiya uh, mathas all across the india why because so much of sahajiyaism is going on so then prabhupad came and then he took the pure bhakti across the world and now gradually we see that this bhakti in its right uh, with his right intent is being spread across the world by his con very very important it will grow gradually it will grow more and more so krishna is saying that how renunciation and yoga are very much same they are the same there is no difference between them so we should understand these things so let's see now very interesting krishna is going to go a step ahead and make us understand what are the different stages of this sanyasa and yoga so verse number 3 achutan ji you can unmute yourself and let's chant verse number 3 very interesting shloka so krishna is saying here arurukshor muner yogam arurukshor muner yogam karma karana muchyate karma karana muchyate yogarudasya tasseiva yogarudasya tasseiva ूढ़ मुच्यूरियो so very nice shloka krishna is saying here aruruksho yoga aruruksho means aruruksho means neophyte stage the initial stage and then there is yoga rudo stage there are two stages now krishna is explaining so krishna is saying that yoga aruruksho aruksho means initial stage yoga rudo means the topmost stage so the person who is in the lower stage yoga ruruksho he is supposed to perform activities he has to perform kriya 
but a person who has reached the yoga rudo stage then he is supposed to give up all the activity you just see interesting right so now which stage are we in now are we in yoga ruksho or are we in yoga rudo stage which stage are we in? you can unmute yourself and also speak up which stage are we in right now we are in yoga ruksho stage or yoga rudo stage hmm you can unmute yourself no problem or you can type also ha so dev is saying we are in yoga ruksho we are in aruksho stage we are in the initial stage so in the initial stage what krishna is saying krishna is saying you have to perform action you have to perform kriya just see so that is why why we engage devotees so much is because we are all in this initial stage we have to be very busy doing so many activities for krishna you have to perform uh, festivals you know today is balaram jayanti now krishna janmashtami will come now uh, radhashtami will come then there you have to go out for book distribution you have to cook for krishna you have to worship krishna now you have to preach about krishna there are so many programs you have to conduct online and offline all these things are what it's an engagement kriya why we are supposed to do this because we are in the initial stage we are in the yoga ruksho stage we are just climbing the steps of bhakti the ladder of bhakti so in this stage a yogi he should continue doing activities he has to very very important so that is why if you take ashtanga yoga the first four stages yam niyam asan pranayama these first four stages what are they referring to yoga ruksho yoga ruksho these four stages involve lot of kriya you see yam niyam do's and don'ts do's and don'ts means you have to perform some actions you are not supposed to perform some action asana asana means again you have to deal with your body different postures and this this asana and that asana what is happening again it is again about yoga ruksho stage you are performing activities then what about pranayama pranayama is also the breathing stage breathing means again you are performing some activity so you are to do some kriya you know bastrika kriya and all these thing kriya different kriyas they do so pranayama is also what it's again activity so the first four stages of ashtanga yoga are actually dealing with yoga ruksho then the fifth stage up until up to eighth stage what is that yoga rudo stage those are referring to the yoga rudo stage let's understand pratyahara pratyahara means what pratyahara ahara means what food pratyahara means no food now pratyahara means you have to starve all the five senses we have five senses and they have their food the form is the food for the eyes sound is the food for the ears food is the food for the tongue right then sparsha the touch is the food for the skin nostril the smell is the food for the nose so ahara these are the different ahara pratyahara means stop giving all the food to these five senses pratyahara this is the fifth stage so this is now going to the yoga rudo you are moving from yoga ruksho to yoga rudo then dharana dharana is again an internal activity now internal activity where you understand who oh, i am the soul then dhyana then samadhi so so much is there so you have to move gradually by performing activities to performing no activities no activities means not performing any material activities that is in our context as bhakti yogis we will still continue to do our activities even if we go to the higher stage basically there are three types of devotees there is a kanishta adhikari there is madhyama adhikari there is uttama adhikari 
in devotional life there are three stages a devotee has to undergo what is that kanishta adhikari madhyam adhikari then uttama adhikari so we are all right now in the kanishta stage we are all in the kanishta stage so in the kanishta and madhyama there is lot of activity that we are supposed to do lot of action is required continuously we should be engaged we should never give one moment free for our mind mind should be busy doing many many things otherwise mind will always think about material objects and material sense pleasures so instead we keep the mind engaged in krishna's activities continuously in this stage of kanishta and madhyama so in the kanishta adhikari and madhyama adhikari is actually in the stage of yoga ruksho perform activity when you become uttama adhikari then uttama adhikari doesn't really matter for him whether he does activities or he doesn't do activities he is completely involved he is merged in the thinking in the thought of the supreme lord now such is the stage of uttama adhikari just see we are not in the stage of uttama adhikari that's why we are not supposed to escape from our duty we have to perform our duty so this particular thing of yoga ruksho is the stage of new fight and a new fight is not realized god we have not realized god we know about god a little bit but we have not realized god but in the stage of yoga rudo you have actually realized god yoga rudo stage is a state of realization of god you have an interaction with god that is the topmost yoga rudha many times in sanskrit this word is used you know ratha rudo ratha rudo means there is a ratha means chariot if you are sitting on top of the chariot then it is called ratha rudo narayana our lord narayana is sometimes called as garuda rudo why garuda rudo because he is on top of garuda he is flying on top of garuda that's why he is called garuda rudo so yoga rudo means you means a yogi is sitting on top of the ladder of yoga yoga rudo just see but are we are not on the stage right we are not on top of the ladder we are somewhere in the initial state of the yoga ladders right so we are yoga ruksho we have to perform activity you have to climb climbing up means what you have to perform activity but once you climb the top of the ladder do you still have to climb no you don't have to climb you don't have to climb means no activity right so very simple when you are climbing the ladder in the initial stage because you are at the lower stage you have to climb up climb up means activity but when you go to the topmost step of the ladder do you still have to climb no because there is nothing else so yoga rudo is a stage where you have realized god after realizing krishna what more is there to realize nothing you don't have to perform any action just see very simple so that is why krishna is taking us gradually from performing karma karma yoga he explained so much then he explained gnana yoga then he explained about karma with gnana all these things he have explained now he is talking about ashtanga yoga gradually is taking us now to bhakti yoga <laughs> till 18th chapter this is how it is going to take us this is a beautiful journey patiently we have to listen and understand and follow and then maybe hopefully by the end of our lifetime we will reach the state of yoga rudho we will all reach that topmost stage of yoga right very very nice so actually in the in every stage as kanishta adhikari madhyam adhikari and uttam adhikari bhakti yogis we have to serve the lord we have to serve all the living entities we should practice actually and uttam adhikari is the one who sees every living entity on equal platform and he serves them actually a uttam adhikari is thinking that every living entity is serving krishna but i am not serving krishna that is the actual mood of a uttam adhikari 
just see he has realized god but he is thinking that i am not serving everybody else is serving that is the mood but in our state what is we are thinking we are thinking i am serving the lord oh this ant is not serving the elephant is not serving the dog is not serving or that person this person is not serving krishna i am serving krishna we are thinking like that but in uttam adhikari state he thinks exactly he is thinking that i am not serving very humbly he thinks like that everybody else is serving krishna and he sees actually so this is what uh, very nicely krishna is explaining that how we have to move from yoga rudukcho stage to yoga ruda stage very important go to the topmost stage okay so let's go to the next verse now the fourth verse of uh, chapter 6 so dev you can unmute yourself and let's chant the fourth verse it's very interesting verse यदाहिनेन्द्रियाथेषु योगारूढ़ुच्यते योगारूढ़ुच्यते ओके वंस अगेन यदाहिनेन्द्रियाथेषु यदाहिनेन्द्रियाथेषु न कर्मसु अनुसुज्यते न कर्मसु अनुसज्यते सर्वसंकल्पसंन्यासी सर्वसंकल्पसंन्यासी so just see so nice krishna is uh, now explaining okay i have told you about the yoga ruda stage but who is actually yoga ruda so he is defining now who is the person who is actually in the state of yoga ruda who is the one who has reached the topmost position of the ladder this process of yoga who is that person what are his qualities so he is defining what is he saying yadahinendriyarthesu na karmashu anusajjate sarvasankalpa sanyasi ha so who is a yoga arudha one who has given up direct and indirect sense gratification and who does not desire for any sense pleasure he is the one who has reached the state of yoga ruda there are three things he has given up direct sense pleasure he has given indirect sense pleasure and third he has completely given up the desire only to enjoy material activities direct sense pleasure what is it you have a gulab jamun you eat it direct sense pleasure you want to watch some beautiful form you watch it that's direct sense pleasure we take interest in watching a certain movie we take interest in eating certain things so we have not given up these things so direct sense pleasure we still get involved we still hanker for these things but a yoga ruda is one who has given up this direct sense pleasures even if you keep some nice palatable thing in front of him he'll say okay no problem i will not eat it because i'm not hungry only when hungry when hunger is there i will eat even if it is the most palatable thing right so that is one thing indirect sense pleasure in the, what is indirect sense pleasure oh yes i am going to work for one month like this and then after doing that at the end of the month i'll get my salary and when i get my salary i will enjoy so this is indirect pleasure you are waiting 
you are not getting it directly but you will work hard and then get the result and that result is in turn utilized for your sense pleasures so that is indirect sense pleasures so a yoga ruda is a person who has given up this indirect pleasure also and then just imagine a person who has no direct and indirect sense pleasure who is not involved in any of these things do you think that such a person will have any desire for material pleasure now <laughs> he will automatically have no desire for any sense pleasure he doesn't want to right his source of pleasure is something else because he has reached the aruda stage topmost stage of spiritual life spiritual bliss spiritual bliss that is what he is enjoying that enjoyment we are not able to enjoy because we are in the lower stage correct so he has given up all sense pleasure sankalpatyaga he has done sankalpatyaga see sarva sankalpa sanyasi he doesn't have even sankalpa does desire for sense pleasure what an amazing state it is hope you will get this state to reach this state sometime very soon yogaruda stage because every time the sense pleasures when we try to involve it will only frustrate us very temporary these are every time you want to enjoy every time there is a little pleasure they give and immediately it lend so there is no continuous pleasure only in these material things and we are getting frustrated so that's why we should now think okay let me get the permanent solution one time we should get permanent solution reach the yoga ruda stage right so you have to give up all direct and indirect pleasures then yoga ruda stadochate you will reach that topmost stage so these are very very uh, uh, you know critical things for a bhakti yogi we cannot uh, you know engage in all material sense pleasure and still become a devotee no gradually renunciation should come as we progress in our spiritual life you know we should give up certain attachments slowly we should give up sense pleasures enough you know 30 40 years whatever you know we have enjoyed and now we should gradually move towards spiritual pleasures we should seek for spiritual pleasures because we have understood the taste of all these material things how much more can we enjoy so only you know different different varieties may come but the ultimately it will end it is temporary so we should shift our focus now so instead of getting busy with all these temporary pleasures let's become very very busy in seeking the topmost permanent pleasure and that is krishna consciousness so that is what we prabhupada is offering to us that is what krishna is offering to us in bhagavad gita let us not become busy with these temporary things now next shloka a uh, very important thing but we will not cover it today we will cover it in the next session so today we have just got a glimpse of how krishna is explaining that how sanyasa and yoga are both same you don't have to differentiate both of them renunciation itself is yoga and krishna has explained the very nicely about the these two stages yoga ruksho and yoga rudo uh, little terminology is maybe difficult to understand yoga ruksho is the basic initial state neophyte state yoga rudo is the topmost state of bhakti right and who is a person who is reached that topmost bhakti yoga rudo stage that krishna has explained he has defined that anybody who is not involved in direct and indirect uh, sense pleasure and he has no desire for sense pleasure so with all these things krishna is going to further explain very important things which we will cover in the next session so now if you have any questions you can please feel free to ask questions by the way today is uh, balaram jayanti it was fasting until noon and uh, balaram is actually uh, the in, the incarnation of krishna he is an expansion of krishna and balaram is also anantashayana you see balaram is a guru tatva actually he is the first principal guru the guru tatva is actually represented by lord balarama so we should pray to lord balarama today to give us the strength to give us this uh, strength to understand the knowledge of the bhagavad gita 
and uh, she will help us in many many wonderful things because guru is very compassionate so lord balaram is also very compassionate so any time krishna wants to do things it is balaram who arranges everything because lord balaram he arranges the setting for krishna to perform his activities his leela so even if you see when krishna was supposed to appear on this planet in the womb of mother devaki before even krishna came to the womb of devaki it was balaram who came right balaram appeared in the womb of devaki first now what did he do there just imagine when there is a king and a king uh goes to a certain place he wants to visit a certain place before even he goes to that place all his paraphernalia goes all his uh, uh, food and his uh, bed and everything is sent first right then when king goes there everything is already set right is arranged and then king enjoys so lord balarama is who he is none other than he is anandashayana so before krishna appeared in the womb of mother devaki it is lord balarama who appeared in the mother because the bed was already sent before who is the bed <laughs> anandashayana right lord narayan is called what anandashayana he sleeps on the bed of ananta ananta is a huge snake so lord narayan is always sleeping on that he is it's a bed so balarama is who balarama is none other than anandashayana so he first went to the mother the womb of mother devaki he arranged everything properly he cleaned everything womb everything perfectly and then krishna appeared so he arranged everything and he went to the next spot he went to the womb of mother rohini balarama so lord balarama is a guru tatva we should pray to lord balarama today that it is balaram purnima it's also very auspicious day that please give us the strength the bala the spiritual bala to execute our spiritual activities like we spoke today about doing activities we are uh, in the uh, yoga ruksho stage we are in the initial stage so in this initial stage we are we are supposed to perform activities so in this state initial state as neophytes we have to pray to lord balarama to give us the bala the strength to perform our spiritual activities so please pray today to lord balarama it is the birthday of lord balarama it is also rakshabandhan today so you can all wish your uh, brothers and sisters your siblings nicely it's a very auspicious day and uh, it is such a great thing to celebrate both this purnima balram purnima in remembrance of lord balarama at the same time also celebrating with our family so please uh, we pray to lord balarama he is a guru tatva and he will bestow all his uh, energies and knowledge to us one thing we should also know that anything that is related to krishna is represented by lord balaram like for example you know we have this aarti plates at home we have something that is uh, like agarbatti may be there or any activity any energy of the lord is represented by lord balaram so any time when you waste water when you waste electricity when uh, you waste krishna's energy in some way or the other it is all very disappointing for lord balarama you know these kartal that we have this kartal is a musical instrument it is used for the service of krishna it is a paraphernalia of krishna so you cannot disrespect this it represents lord balarama if you disrespect this it will disappoint lord balarama mrizanga any other thing that you actually use for the service of krishna the articles that we used for krishna should be kept very neat and right nicely and respected because they are representation of lord balarama okay so today if you get a chance please uh, try to watch the online celebrations at iskon bangalore youtube channel you can watch very beautiful krishna balaram alankara and abhishekam will happen so please watch it online okay so we have dev who is asking a question uh, he is saying that prabhu ji yesterday we visited the iskon temple in the evening we walk we went at a time of jula yatra and got to do jula for radha krishna in the temple can you tell us little bit about the jula yatra okay so the jula yatra is a very special festival because uh, this is the spring time and uh, this is when krishna and radharani they used to go out in vrindavan 
and they used to have a nice past time uh, they used to uh, during this time they used to be on the swing and they performed so many activities like that in vrindavan so maybe uh, on top of my mind i don't remember the specific uh, leelas today but yes i will definitely explain to you sometime it's a very nice uh, thing that this is a four day five day celebration that happens just before uh, this balaram jayanti these four five days we celebrate uh, julan yatra so very nicely uh, radha and krishna is uh, uh, decorated and uh, every day they are on the swing and devotees uh, participate and uh, you know i am very glad that you could uh, get a chance to do this uh, julan seva very nice very auspicious also and very nice kirtans and songs are sung during these uh, festivals so today is balaram jayanti and uh, you can nicely feast in the evening you can celebrate uh, you can have a nice darshan of the lord balaram today okay and please pray to him so that is all about uh, uh, balaram jayanti and very soon we are coming with the krishna janmashtami uh, next week and it is uh, another very big festival for all of us so we will try to have uh, a session on krishna janmashtami also more detail we'll try to discuss on the janma of krishna so maybe next week we can discuss elaborately on the birth of krishna okay so the session will be on the birth of krishna next sunday i think that will be nice and it is janmashtami also so that we become uh, we appreciate the appearance of lord krishna it's very very wonderful so let's understand that next sunday so all right then with this uh, we will end the session and uh, we will again meet next sunday please take care all of you and we'll see you soon again take care hari krishna